I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who holds space for any earthling as they reunite body and soul in their planetary experience. I'm a bridge for relationships between all species so that the heart bond becomes stronger, deeper, and more loving. I serve in the roles of animal communicator, medium, and medical intuitive, and I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support all earthlings in their recovery from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. You all may have noticed in the ending to my podcasts, where I talk about where to find me on social media, that I now reference X Twitterverse, which is tongue-in-cheek, really, because it is X Twitter and no longer called Twitter, and it amuses me to do a <laughs> play on words as in EX Twitter, as in ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-partner, ex-husband, ex-wife, you get the picture. I am not overly fond of change in general. And truth be told, when something on social media changes, whether it's Facebook Meta or Yahoo or Google or whatever, I can feel a bit irritated. I don't understand why that when something is working just fine, at least for me, in my own little world, why it is that we have to change the dang thing. Come to think of it, it's only the changes in human experience that seem to garner no real leaps forward in solving any of our species' bigger issues or the planet's bigger issues, such as poverty, childhood education, healthcare, etc., that I feel particularly annoyed. And when they seem to be in name only or only for the purposes of some internal metric by a company, perhaps branding for a company that my Irish, as the saying goes, really gets up and activated, especially if the lives and livelihoods of other individuals are involved and negatively impacted, cue my pet peeve of X himself. And I will have some information coming up shortly about the history of the words pet peeve, which are definitely in play for us this week and the podcast topic of animals deserving inalienable rights and not non-human rights. I'm hoping that this story, if you'll indulge me just a little bit, with this name game issue isn't too far of a stretch because whenever the topic of animal rights comes up as it did on X Twitterverse this week by an attorney, no less, it is usually couched in terms of non-human rights, which is the human way of saying, yeah, we'll give you rights, just non-human ones because, and here's my skeptical take on the subject, our species, the human animal, still has to stay on top of the heap and who else would give you your rights except us? The non-skeptical side of me might say, we're setting animals apart from us and giving them their own rights. Isn't that great? How cool are we? I don't mean it necessarily to sound that sarcastic, <laughs> except how else could one sentient being take it after another sentient being says, looky, we're giving you your own rights, except they're not the same rights as ours because, well... The recipient species of these designated non-human rights might throw a massive side-eye and say, they're not your rights because why? Period. With no question mark. In the human-centric world, we're big on naming, as if by doing that we claim some sort of control of information about a thing or a being, and that's just it, right? 
knowledge. We are big, big, big on knowledge in the human animal world. And while other species are big on wisdom and applying knowledge, mostly from others, we're sadly lacking in that, I think. It's the same thing as usual, kids, the resonance of words fitting the energy, a.k.a. the spelling. Except we usually don't stop to consider the consequences of the naming unless something or someone makes us sit up and take notice like with a protest or a wave of protest on top of an actual evolutionary movement forward. We're capable of evolving forward, you know, and I think it's really important that we not lose sight of that over the long term. And at the same time, it is just as important that the steps we make forward aren't of the two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. Because then I think we're patting ourselves overly much on the back with the steps forward and not acknowledging or admitting to the one step back. I get that this is not a perfect, happily ever after existence here on Mother Earth, and one can be seen as being too much of a skeptic for not getting behind something that feels just a little bit too good, especially on behalf of another being or group or idea or situation. That, to me, is privilege, and humans in general have that privilege specifically with animals, which of course is a whole other podcast topic about privilege. Yet, the non-human rights movement pretty much fits this privilege of feeling good about giving them non-human rights because, hello, we've forgotten that we're an animal species as well. One of the worst things I think we've ever done as a species, if I haven't said so before, was to call ourselves human beings. That was a big step backward and continues to be in our relationship with others of our extended family, the other animal species. Because while we're quick to take up with this non-human animal rights, as one poster put it on ex-Twitterverse, sure, it's fine to advocate for the non-human rights of animals that we, in their word, fetishize, like elephant, wolf, bear, etc., It's quite another to give lizard, fly, and mosquito those same non-human rights. Because we also accept diversity only up to a point, certainly within our own species, and there are over 8 million other animal species on the planet. Do we really think that we're capable and are going to step up to the plate in advocating for non-human rights for each species? That feels like a slippery slope to me, as it does to the animals in general, because just now their feeling of, yeesh, y'all sure do like to complicate a planet, don't you, came in. Well, let me start with an example of, of the name change game here in Colorado in recent years. And heads up, I'm substituting the animal called Mole in the game Whack-A-Mole with the name Broncos <laughs> in reference to the naming and renaming and renaming yet again of the physical home of the Denver Broncos, who certainly deserve their share of wax from the past, I don't know, 14 years or so, with drawn-out ownership battles, their share of wax with the revolving door of head coaches from the last 14 years or so, their share of wax with the front office proving once again that former players aren't necessarily the best decision makers where the draft goes, and certainly not where giving away future draft picks goes, and well, the list goes on. You might be able to tell I'm not a supportive fan of the Denver Broncos, and truth be told, I stopped watching football several years ago. Hands off my nuggets for the Avs, though. 
feel free to comment with your own Denver Broncos wax or maybe replies as to why they are not deserving of any wax. I will not be offended at all. And maybe it's nostalgia and my reticence for change that I feel about the Wacka Corporation Stadium headline naming that began with the demolition of the venerable Mile High Stadium in 2001. Because humans seem to favor ownership of what they see as a thing while completely ignoring the energy contained within the thing. And even though sports writers and other teams have talked about the pros and cons of any game played at a mile-high altitude, hello Denver, and thus speaking to the energy of an earth-based process, and to which the Broncos' true fans would attest, there's a disconnect then when it comes to the container of this energy. It's as if we're all too eager to stamp our name on something and thereby claim it without regard to what the energy represents. And how the energy resonates with the name of the container, in this case a stadium, for a diverse group of humans. The original Mile High Stadium was built in 1948 and was formerly known as the Bears Stadium after Denver's Western League baseball team at the time, the Bears. The Broncos moved into the place in 1960 as well as into the AFL. And as you might imagine, undertook major renovations, which folded in the hopes of Denver eventually landing a Major League Baseball team, which we did with the Rockies. Here's a side whack at the Rockies owner slash manager game coming right up. And we, we landed the Rockies in 1993. Coors Field was constructed and opened in 1995. So the Rockies moved out of Mile High and the Broncos continued to stay put until 2001 when Mile High which was so named because Denver is known as being located one mile above sea level, was demolished. What followed were several uproars from longtime fans about why the heck shouldn't we stick with the name Mile High Stadium, and that included a former mayor, Wellington Webb, even getting involved. There had been legislation passed among Colorado voters that secured future funding for renovations and improvements under the Metropolitan Football Stadium District. The MFSD is a subdivision of the state of Colorado that, quote, was created for the purpose of planning, acquiring land, and constructing a professional football stadium. The MFSD is also responsible for implementing the MFSD tax. The extension of the original stadium tax came into effect on January 1st, 2001. And with all of that came, my friends, of course, money, lots and lots of money, and from outside investors who thought that if they were paying for it, that they should feel free to put their name on it. And you know, I'm just going to say that feels like a patriarchal thingy to me, like marking of one's territory just because they can do so easily. The first uproar involved wanting to add Invesco Field before the Mile High part, which was done although the Denver Post refused to use the Invesco Field name for several years and printed stories that simply referred to Mile High Stadium. The Invesco name lasted until 2010 when the naming rights were transferred to Sports Authority. Do y'all remember them before they went out of business in 2018? Well, that name, Sports Authority at Mile High, lasted until 2017. And then ever so briefly for one year in 2018, the name of the stadium was Broncos Stadium at Mile High. And then from 2019 until present, Empower Field at Mile High. I don't have enough connections with those in the know about any future name change and what that might be. The current name, Empower Field, is from a retirement plan, record-keeping financial holding company based in Greenwood Village, Colorado. 
It is the second largest retirement plan provider in the United States and was created in 1891 when the parent company Great West LifeCo was founded as an insurance provider on the Canadian prairie. Now, this next part is interesting, I think. The current ownership of the team, which became official in August of 2022, include the family of Sam Walton of Walmart fame, Condoleezza Rice, former National Security Advisor and former Secretary of State, Melody Hobson, who is the wife of George Lucas, and Lewis Hamilton, a Formula One racing fame who was also knighted by Queen Elizabeth in 2021. I think we've come a long way, a very long way from Pat Boland's days of being the sole owner of the Broncos, which had its pros and cons. And I'm very glad to see more diversity among the current owners. Although, again, it does beg the question of whether or not Empower Field is going to stay associated with the stadium where the Denver Broncos, one more Wacker Bronco coming up, regularly get their behinds handed to them by most of the current NFL teams. And here's the question. Was it the name-changing of the stadium that contributed to the energy of the team overall that led to poor performance in the last 14 years, non-coincidentally roughly the amount of time that the Broncos held court in the same physical location? Did the fans change? Not really. At least not the hardcore long-time fans. Sure, you could say it could be the evolution of the history of this team to hit absolute rock bottom several seasons in a row now, only to have hope spring eternal each fall. And maybe someone listening to my podcast would say, you know, Lizanne is really hitting on a pet peeve of mine right now, which is not having anything positive to say and not being quiet because she doesn't have anything positive to say. (laughs) The word pet dates back to the 16th century and is used informally, of course, to denote something that's cherished. Although the modern definition of pet as an animal is a domesticated animal that is kept for amusement as opposed to utility, as in cow or goat. That's why I prefer animal companions, so that no one is kept by anyone else, including cat, who understands my gentle poke at their nature. I also prefer guardian over owner, just because it's softer, and it talks about protecting and guiding another being, as in guardian angel. That's just me, you do you, except please do not call them your children that infantilizes them and creates a thicker emotional filter than you know so that you don't see them clearly at all during their lifetime with you. This is another subject for another podcast. You can tell that's also one of my pet peeves. The word peeve, although in contrast to the word pet, is just as it feels and sounds as in, I'm really peeved about this naming of of animal rights to be non-human rights. It's usually a thing or a subject that is near and dear to your heart, a special dislike for something or someone, perhaps. I honestly don't have that many pet peeves, and most of them are related to how humans treat and or objectify animals, except when it makes us feel good about ourselves or that we feel in an imbalanced way, especially altruistic about it. Like the recent article in the LA Times about how the California Supreme Court is considering whether to grant a hearing for three elephants, and I'm absolutely going to butcher their names, Nolwazi, N-O-L-W-A-Z-I, Amelie, A-M-A-H-L-E, and Mabu, M-A-B-U, at the Fresno Chaffee Zoo. If granted, the hearing would determine whether these elephants are being unjustly detained and whether they should be relocated to a sanctuary. Well, 
That's a no-brainer, right? <laughs> None other than Lawrence Tribe, a constitutional law scholar, posted on X Twitterverse, quote, I'm among the lawyers urging that elephants must be recognized as having rights. They're not just things for people to own and do with as they wish. It's just a matter of time until the courts start to agree. In the meantime, we'll win a city at a time. An animal being granted their own writ of habeas corpus means that their standing of having rights of their own must come first. In situations thus far, no court, despite several attempts, has awarded an animal the same right as a citizen, which would enable then the animal and those working on their behalf to bring a case before a court against, in this case, illegal imprisonment. As I said, so far the success in cases like this is zero, and it is interesting to me that it is only elephant upon whose behalf these are being sought. I can see a case, frankly, being brought on half of Tilikum when he was with us and Lolita as well, who recently transitioned because they were both captive orca. What's the difference? One lives on land, the other lives on water. Both are captive. There was one commenter who replied to Professor Tribe's post, why not just elephant, why not all? My response to Professor Tribe was, let's start with inalienable rights, such as what was found in the first lines of the Declaration of Independence, Mr. Constitutional Law Scholar. (laughs) Why are we not willing to give to our family members that which we declared for ourselves simply because we think they're different? And so you don't have to look it up. The word inalienable means unable to be taken away from or given away by the possessor. When the original colonists escaped from King George, we declared ourselves liberated and stated, quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I like it myself. I think pretty much any animal would not oppose these rights at all. If we must hold animals separate, I would offer my own take on animalhood, such as in personhood, when that was also making the rounds earlier in discussions about giving animals personhood and their rights. And so here it is, quote, Animal beings of all species are afforded the same self-determined rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Nothing about their physical form or place as predator or prey in the natural world can or will be used against them by humans. Nor will the human species interfere in their lives and interrupt the animal's life cycle, habitat, or natural order of animal experience on Earth. Animal beings will be protected under the law and given the same protection from abuse and violent crime perpetrated against them by human beings as is given to human beings. Animal beings alone will consent to interaction with humans upon request and will alone designate the scope, length, and depth of any interaction. This will include their offspring as their parental rights will not be waived by any form or perception of ownership by humans. From this point forward, the only relationship between animals and humans will be one of mutual respect and compassion. It will be recognized and accepted as mutual truth that all sentient beings are connected members of the whole Earth system, and no subgroup of either animal or human will have dominion over the other. Now, you might say that this might go too far, might be really far out there. And I would say that I think that's better than two steps forward and one step back, one giant leap forward. And at least that's how the animals see it. 
Thanks for listening today. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. To schedule online, go to lazanflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, X Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I encourage you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website, where I also post notices for upcoming events, the starting date of courses in the Animals Eye View Academy, and online psychic fairs. The episodes of this podcast are available on my YouTube channel, complete with subtitles. You'll find that link in my podcast footer, and be sure to subscribe. This has been the Animals Eye View Podcast. I'll see you next time. <laughs>